0: welcome to the Podcast. I'm Steve and joining me as always. He's forging his own ring. It's Gabe Acevedo.
1: Um, where am I traveling today? Um, and will the ring that I'm forging end it all? That is the question.
0: That's the plan. Well, you don't want to ru- end it all. You want to rule it all.
1: Oh, well, you, you know me. I want to end it all. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be done.
0: <laughs> just be over?
1: Yeah, just end it all. I'm done. I'm done. that's fair
0: if you if you had to forge one ring let's say one ring to rule them all would you would it be ornate or would it just be a simple ring do you think would you oh, have no, like
1: simple i needed to just go under the radar don't attract um any you know viewers no or precious stones or anything like that no no just simple as silver not gold um just very simple yeah
0: okay just it's curious just, just yeah you know, pure curiosity. I mean, looking at, like, if we look back, I mean, today we're talking about 20 years of Lord of the Rings. I mean, that's that's what we're all about. I mean, we're, we've are we been waiting quite some time for this. We've had two other opportunities to talk about Lord of the Rings. And, in other uh, words, now this Steve's
1: yeah. podcast. Oh, today. my God. I'm so excited about like, this. Like, 100 so, so excited.
0: So very excited about this. But uh, yeah, I was just thinking about the some of the rings that were forged for people did have ornate details in them. They had some nice little, you know, things, uh, gemstones and everything like that. Um, but, you know, the one ring didn't. It's just a gold, simple gold ring.
1: And that's why I like it. Un- un- until you throw it in the fire and-, and we say elvish, but it's just simple. And that's what I want. It's an
0: ancient form of elvish. There you go. Sure. One which I'd rather not hear. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Can you
1: speak it? Can you speak it? Can you read <laughs> no, it? No,
0: I cannot. I'm not going to even try to. I don't know. I don't. Uh, yeah. I'm not that much of a person <laughs> who's like, I'm going to learn elvish. i have i love tolkien i love lord of the rings but i'm not learning elvish. don't they have elvish on
1: duolingo i think
0: yeah i'm pretty sure they do there's all those things you you can learn it i'm i'm sure that's it's amazing good for those people that do I, i'm glad that they have the time to do that i can't even learn spanish so i'm not gonna try to learn elvish and know? i
1: tried to teach you for four years
0: <laughs> tried uh tried and failed uh you
1: know a couple of things but we can't get into that here
0: yeah we won't get into that right now i know how to say like the bath is full, but beyond that, we're not going to move on to that anyway. Uh, oh, man, I'm super excited for this. Like, I can't believe it's been 20 years. But before we get into that, let's talk just really quickly about a couple of things that have happened over the last week and some of the stuff going into this. We're in the holiday season, so we got some like big fun movies that came out in theaters. Uh, you got a chance to go see one of them. You got to see Wonka, um, which is Timothy Chalamet's big reimagining of the origin of Willy Wonka. Uh, one that I was a little bit concerned about. I was a little bit concerned going into this because it looked strange. It's a musical. Um, Timothy Chalamet seemed out of place. The the trailer was a little bit strange to me, but from what I've heard from other people and a little bit from you, not bad.
1: I thought it was a great movie, actually. And I agree that's, with you. I'll still say something. You say like the trailers look a little strange. I'm going to say that the strangers just look purely bad. <laughs> the trailers made the movie look bad. So I walked in very skeptical. I'm like, this is going to be a bad movie. It's going to suck. Um, and I maybe that helps, too. I thought the movie was great. It's really fun. I think it's going to become a Christmas classic. It's definitely a Christmas movie. It's for mm-hmm. sure a full-on Christmas music. Um, once again, the trailer had some songs. Um, but it wasn't really marketed as a musical. I'll let you know that this movie is a full-blown musical. Like, There's a song every like, 10, 12 minutes. So it's a full-blown musical. Uh, I thought it was charming. I don't know if you've seen the Padding- the Paddington movies. Um, Paul King directed both those and he directed this. It's very whimsical. Um, it's very just straightforward, very fun, very colorful. The technical aspects are great. Timothy is so charming. You know, we've never seen him in in a musical this kind of charm persona. Um, uh, he's a movie star. Man, he's a movie star, he charms you over his smile. His the movie is, is, he's in every frame of this movie. Um, and he is great. Um, it was a nice surprise. The songs are super catchy, the musical numbers are great, the choreographies are great. The story is actually very emotional. There were a lot of people crying, including myself, towards, towards the end of the movie. But the biggest thing that I loved about the movie is that it pays very good homage to the first. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, which is the Gene Wilder one. Um, you can they take a lot of that movie and plant the seeds in this one to what is going to become that movie. So I think um I'm excited to when this movie comes out to do a back to back double viewing of both, because you can I you can clearly see this one being the pre film to that one. And it works really well. Presence pleasant surprise, super fun great Christmas movie, I think it's going to become a, a Christmas staple, definitely going to become a Christmas staple for me. Um, but I can see it become a Christmas staple for a lot of people, so definitely recommend.
0: Cool, I mean, I'm, I'm I think it looked really fun. I, one of the things I love though, uh, I, I saw an interview with Keegan Michael Key before he before this uh came out, and he was talking about how for some reason in the movie, the director was like, He's like, Oh, I could do a British accent because he's playing a British cop, right? Yeah, but they're like. Like, no, 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 just, just do a New York accent for some reason. So the entire movie, he just has this really strange New York accent. Yeah. Like, okay, whatever.
1: Uh, and but, everybody, everybody was having fun, which I like. It
0: it does look like a really fun cast, you yeah. know, whether it's Hugh Grant, Rowan Atkinson, Sally Hawkins, you know. Olivia it, Coleman. Yeah. He, it,
1: he steals the movie for me. She's so fucking good.
0: It looks, it looks like it's a fun, fun movie to be it a is. part of. It's and really good. It's it's interesting as a juxtaposition for timothy chalamet because you know their the latest trailer for um dune part two came out and like
1: it's very very different <laughs> and, use the
0: voice can you whoa. imagine
1: if you used the voice in wonka
0: <laughs> oh my god that'd be insane uh but speaking of it as a christmas movie do you have like a i know we did a whole episode on christmas movies we did a whole christmas movie draft before but do you have like a staple christmas movie that you you love to watch every year like you don't watch as many, I I don't believe, but yeah, uh, I watch a ton. Yes. But uh, you do
1: watch well, more than than me. But I have two. Obviously, my number staples? one is A Christmas Story. That's my favorite Christmas movie ever. I will watch it. I will put it in the background and TNT because I still have cable um on the 24th and 25th. So, yeah. But my second one and it's a uh, monster Christmas movie is The Gremlins. I watch The Gremlins every single year and I watch both parts because both of them are Christmas movies. Um, but especially the first one, like the first one is a legit Christmas movie and I love the Gremlin. So it's a, a, probably not a non-traditional Christmas movie that people don't think about, but I love it. Oh, and last one, the last holiday from Queen Latifah. I love that movie.
0: Oh, I don't think I've seen that one.
1: It's really, really good. It's like, it's with, um, oh my God. Um, LL Coojie and in queen latifah uh it's so good it's really really good a lot of emmy and oscar winners in that movie before they that's won funny. emmys and oscars
0: that's really funny i mean i've seen i think i saw 12 so far this year so I've it's wow you know, we're recording this on the 21st and i've seen 12 christmas movies which isn't as many as i thought i would have i thought i've seen more than that but uh i haven't I've, i guess i've watched other movies this month so i just didn't get a chance to watch i watched what a bunch is of Jack your Ryan favorite
1: favorite christmas movie i always forget
0: i don't know if i have a favorite favorite christmas movie i have some that i i really really enjoy like if i were to just talk about a few of them Um uh, one of the favorite one of my favorite movies that uh kill and i watch together every year is the holiday that's probably just one of my favorite movies just in general i love that's that movie idea, i think yeah. it's I, I think it's a beautiful movie it's a really fun movie it's the characters are awesome uh the, it's you know you can't go wrong when um you have uh those those types of movies you know nancy Myers knows how to make a movie a romantic movie it's very Romantic, it's uh the characters are great. Hans Zimmer does the score, so you know you can't get upset about that. It's it's a great movie. score really for that. that
1: oh, it needs yeah. to be cool,
0: yeah. And he's friends with uh I think he's friends with Nancy Myers. That's why he's done all of our movies. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> the more you know.
0: Um, but no, I I love uh we watched a muppet Christmas Carol. That's one of my favorite ones. I love a Muppet Christmas Carol. A
1: staple too, yeah. It,
0: it's it's one of the it's one of the classics. Um yeah, I think that's really it. I, I do have like soft spots for some different movies. Um like I really like Jingle All the Way for some reason.
1: It's so good. Turbo Man. Out, that's Turbo Man, perfect, right? Yeah, it came out the perfect
0: time for us. Yeah. Isn't
1: that Sinbad? Yeah. <laughs> Sinbad versus Arnold. Yes. Yeah. So it's good. great.
0: It's fantastic. No, I mean I, I love it. I mean, I've seen 12. I mean, I what's interesting is there's a lot more violent ones coming in now, like the the uh action Christmas movie has become a big staple you know it started yeah. with Die Hard which people still debate whether or not that's a Christmas movie but we've gotten into a bunch of other ones you know whether it be Fat Man which I loved um, Violent Night which is way better than I thought it was going to be
1: was that last uh, year's that, one
0: yeah that was David Harbour's oh, David Harbour uh, that
1: was so, that was a good movie
0: that was good uh, watch that this year there, there's a bunch you know I mean I want to watch How the Grinch Still Christmas but it's not streaming anywhere so I can't really get a hold
1: of that the one Jim Carrey one yeah, that's I don't know why people hate that movie. It's so good.
0: I think those people are just wrong.
1: Yeah, <laughs> thank all. you, thank you. No, when a new Christmas love... action movie dropped this year, si- Silent,
0: Silent Night. Yeah, Silent I didn't Night? see that one. Okay, I yeah, I didn't watch that one yet. Um, yeah, that sounds about right though. That we haven't seen it
1: <laughs> from what I read. Yeah, fair.
0: It's all good. Uh no, I love I love Christmas movies, and it's always difficult to come up with a good Christmas movie. I think that's another thing. Like to have one that's going to be a classic is really yeah. difficult. Um, Just new Christmas movies can be kind of cliche sometimes. So it's kind of difficult to do that. Like um, what? There's been like a few that I've watched that are like newer that I've enjoyed, which is always, you know, kind of difficult to get into. Like uh, there's a couple of Netflix ones, but they're kind of going downhill Um, Like your place or mine, I think, is one of them that I really liked that was last Mm -hmm. year. Um, Or. I can't think of the other ones off the top of my head but there's there's a bunch of newer ones that I find perfectly fine. Like The Holiday I think is one of them or uh, never seen it. I don't know if I've seen that one. Actually is, is that one or the other one? I don't remember. But there's a bunch that like I, I always like a good Christmas movie so. It's
1: That's just they, Do you like Christmas? I I love obviously I love Christmas. Um Yeah. No I do. I just think when it comes to movies um it's just that I think the formula has just everything's been done. Yeah. So like what like what are we gonna do now? Um but sure it's they're fun but yeah of course I love Christmas.
0: Christmas movies though is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, I do love Christmas I'm not well okay so I do love Christmas movies. Um I think it's a cultural thing the fact that I don't sit down on Christmas and like or or December and like watch Christmas movies because that's not the way I was brought up and it's just definitely cultural. Um, but I do love Christmas movies like I don't. It's just that I don't sit down and I need to watch like, you know, 20 Christmas movies because it's December. That's not the way I but I do love Christmas movies.
0: That's fair. I mean, um, it happens. I like it because it kind of tries to get me in the Christmas spirit. And I, yeah, I kind of need that at this time. <laughs> <I'll> spe-
1: <laughs> Spending money we don't have buying things we don't need.
0: <laughs> yeah, well. I guess one of the things that we could do instead of that, uh, some people have decided to do like watch just series. So they watch like the Harry Potter films as Christmas movies because sometimes there's Christmas in them, which is not bad for me. Or you just do what uh, a lot of people are doing right now, which is segue watching Lord of the Rings on repeat. Uh, That's one way you could do it. Uh, That's it's like the perfect segue for our conversation because literally that's one of the things that's happened. A lot of years like people are like, oh, it's December. Let's watch Lord of the Rings again, which I think it's a great excuse to watch it. I think any excuse yep. to watch the Lord of the Rings is a good excuse to watch the Lord of the Rings. That is true. It has become uh,
1: like a Christmas movie for some reason.
0: I think it's just because people have time, you know, they have, they have a holiday break and they want something to relax. <laughs> they on
1: they have 756 hours to watch these movies. Yes. So you can
0: watch the movies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you can watch the extended versions of these movies.
0: <laughs>
1: so we just need to, we just need to.
0: Just fully embrace it. We are going to be talking right now about the 20 years since uh, The Return of the King came out. So The Return of the King came out um, this week, 20 years ago, which is just incredible. Uh, this That movie really was, it capped off a brilliant trilogy and has, has left an incredible, incredible legacy. You know, the the Lord of the Rings trilogy is one of the, I'd say one of the best cinematic trilogies we've ever had, if not the best. You know, there's, there's, it's, it's really a good debate as, as a film, as films, if it's one of the best, it's one of the best trilogies, uh, out there, no, no doubt. Um, but going back to, what is your relationship with, you know, the Lord of the Rings and Tolkien in general? Like, when did you first discover it? What is, how about these movies? What's your, what's your kind of journey on that?
1: So my, my relationship with Tolkien is as a kid with the Hobbit. Um, as a kid, my mom would read the Hobbit to me. Um every couple of years. And then I read it on my own. I never knew, you know, I never, I, I knew Tolkien wrote it, but I never knew Tolkien wrote other stuff. So that's my initial relationship with Tolkien. My relationship with Lord of the Rings started with the first movie, Fellowship of the Ring. I did not know that was a book. And I remember going, I legit had no idea that was a book um, for some reason. Also, I was, I don't know, 13 when the movie came out or 14. Um, So I went to see it. Um, didn't know it was a book. Loved the movie. And I remember the ending of the film, um, A Fellowship, where um, Sam swims to the canoe and whatever. And they end up walking, blah, blah, blah. And the movie ends without finishing the story. So I didn't know it was a book. So I was mad. I was 14 years old, just pissed off in the theater. But what this is? And then somebody who heard me fighting with my friends told me it's a book there's two more movies coming it's a trilogy of books so then i think in the next few days i went to borders and bought the trilogy and <laughs> i'm a 14 year old kid trying emphasis on trying to read tolkien uh yeah. and then the i i read them and then the all the movies came out 2002 and 2003 and then i reread them as an adult And that was my relationship. That's my relationship with Tolkien and Lord of the Rings. Um, And I discovered Lord of the Rings through the films. um, But I didn't know of Tolkien with The Hobbit as a kid.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's kind of it's an interesting sort of journey for me as well, because like I never knew anything about Tolkien until really, really thinking about even the Lord of the Rings until the movies came out. I remember when I was young, sometime in the 90s, I don't remember what year, probably late 90s, um, probably like 99 or something like that. I saw the. Animated version of The Hobbit um, with my with like a group of us, we saw like I don't know why we we had it on VHS or something and watched the the animated version of of The Hobbit and. Because my brother read it or something like that, so we. We, we did that. Um, but then I never read The Hobbit because I didn't care. I don't like reading books. Um, <laughs> I didn't care at the time. And then the movies came. The first movie came out. I didn't see it. Um, the second movie came out and I didn't see that either until I saw it on DVD at my friend's house because his dad got in a early copy of it from Japan. I don't know how, but You're yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So we watched it at his house.
1: Wait, you and watched then, number two or number
0: one? Number two. I don't even know if I saw it number one yet. If I'm totally honest, so I you can't probably saw remember two
1: towers before fellowship. I okay. cannot
0: remember if I saw it first or second. Mm. Um, now that's really strange because I, I'm telling you, I've seen now I've seen Lord of the Rings many, many, many times since. Oh, I know. Um, so like my my introduction to it is a little bit blurrier than that, I think. And then I I did see uh. The Return of the king in theaters. I remember seeing that because we sat front row and my friends talked through the whole movie. Um, like the front like, front row? The front front row, yes, oh. the very front row. Because everything else was sold out.
1: Oh, okay. The rest of the
0: theater was sold out. So there was like a group of eight of us, and we sat in the front row and uh we we were like talking, they were talking and making jokes the whole time. Um that made you really which was, happy. Oh, it was fine because I didn't really know at the time. You know, I was like well, also,
1: yeah, you were like 15. I was like 16.
0: 15, 15, 16 at the time. So I was yeah. like, this is this is fun, this is funny. Um so I didn't really care, uh, but later on, later on, I—that's I, when I, um, I, I started to fall in love with it. At that point, As after watching that one, I, I absolutely fell in love with Tolkien. Um, you know, since since that time, uh, I've probably seen the theatrical edition of Lord of the Rings twice. If I'm totally honest, only probably two times have I seen the theatrical versions of these movies, because I've seen the extended editions of these movies upwards of ten, twelve, fifteen. So you times. prefer the extended. Oh, 100%. There's no doubt in my mind that is the better version of this. Yeah. Um, I've seen those many, 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 many times. I have two different copies of uh, Lord of the Rings and I have 17 copies of The Hobbit.
1: I do know that. Yeah. I have,
0: I collected a uh, copy of The Hobbit. I know you collect
1: The Hobbit. Yeah.
0: Um, I've read The Hobbit five times. Um, I don't, I'm again, I don't like to read. So this is, this is to be clear. I've read The Hobbit five times, though, uh, including, that includes one time when I read the graphic novel edition that I have, which is really great. I do recommend that. Um, I've read The Lord of the Rings once because I don't mm-hmm. want to go through that again. It's just a long process. Uh, I've read The Silmarillion twice. Actually, no, three times. I've read The Silmarillion three times. But I didn't start with The Silmarillion, which is really weird. I started with The Children of Hurin, which is a book in the middle of The Silmarillion, mm. which makes no sense if you don't understand the context. And that's where I decided to start because I'm I'm a, a, apparently a masochist. Uh, <laughs> like it was it was pretty painful but i've I've read almost every single thing i can about tolkien um i have three different companion editions of of tolkien i have the encyclopedia i have um three other books on tolkien by uh other authors and i have two other explainer books um i have two other encyclopedias as well um and uh i have i've quite a lot i really love tolkien I've, i've i'm so invested in i remember one time what really set apart was with with watching at one time i was i was working at a hotel and i had long hours of nothing to do so i watched the movie um and what i did is i paused it every single time i saw something that i was interested in and i paused it and looked it up and looked up information and read the oh, entire okay. basically almost the entire wikipedia about it but like the tolkien gateway wikipedia so like the one ring whatever one it is uh i think it's the tolkien gateway is the the encyclopedia the online encyclopedia mm-hmm. so i read like all of it on everything within it so geez i was i was obsessed i loved it I i do still love this series i watched it like two months ago i think two or three months ago i watched the whole thing again so and i almost watched it again just for this
1: <laughs> not not surprised so um, you said it, uh so you said you prefer the um director's cut of the movie which in total yeah <laughs> I jokingly said it's like 500 hours between those three movies um I think that I am with you I think that the director's cut are phenomenal um yeah I personally have I I think I've seen I've seen both versions many 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 times I have to be in the mood to watch the director's cut because the third movie alone which is the specific one we're mentioning today Alone is like five and a half hours long. (laughs) So I have to be in the mood to give literally like 24 hours of my life to watch them. Um, But I do think, like you said, the director's cuts are just phenomenal. Right. And they add so much um, to to these movies. Um, And I would love to actually watch the director's cuts in theater someday. Like it'd be cool to see the director's cut in theater.
0: Yeah, that would be pretty amazing to see the them there. I mean, that that's that's super exciting about it. I mean, it's it's one of these things that's been such an interesting legacy of these films is to have these extended editions so readily available. Like you can watch them right now on HBO Max. Like they have both versions of it, which is not something that you'd find with other things that are streaming. You're not going to go on there and be like, oh, yeah, we have the extended editions or, you know, director's cut of this film or whatever. I'm still waiting
1: for the director's cuts of Harry Potter movies.
0: Yeah. You know, like those, those aren't going to come out there and be, or if they are available, they're not going to be available next to the regular version of it. So, yeah. and it's become such a staple of this. Um, One thing that I think is really, to, to really kick dive into the actual films themselves is, you know, the legacy of this film, I think is really interesting because of the sheer amount of behind the scenes material that exists and was released. I think, you know, a lot of movies have behind the scenes stuff, but this is, way more than anything you've seen if you look at if when you buy the extended editions if you remember they're they're booklets of six DVDs each
1: yeah you know, with I remember with tons and tons and I have them back home in Puerto Rico the DVD yeah. ones I have, yeah. I have them
0: I have them I had I have both the DVDs and I have at one point when uh I merged DVD collections with uh my wife we had uh two versions of the theatricals and the uh, DVDs of the extendeds and the Blu-ray. So I got rid of the Blu-ray, the DVDs recently only because I still own the Blu-ray and I don't I try to clear up some space. I want the, the 4K. Yeah, that's the next the 4K step
1: for me. box, but it's just so expensive.
0: <laughs> that's the next step for me. I don't know if I'm going to get that one just because I, I don't really need it. If I'm being honest, if I
1: ever win the lottery, I'll, I'll buy it for you.
0: Yeah, I don't need it other than that. I don't really. Like, I'm fine with Blu-ray. I'm fine with it. <laughs> it looks great. I can't tell the difference. <laughs> Uh, my TV is not big enough to warrant 4K. But
1: you've seen my TV. That's why I want the 4K. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but th- this thing's really fascinating because you have so much. They they had so much information given to us about all of the behind the scenes stuff, everything from like the storyboards to the writing methods, the set design, the, the entire production behind this is documented, is very, very well documented. And discussed at length within the extra features. One of the things that I think was really fascinating is when they were first trying to pitch this idea to a studio to get them to make it. um, One studio said it was a lot of studios thought it was too ambitious. First of all, they were like, no, this is too ambitious. It's not going to work. And then ultimately, once he was like, well, yeah, you can make you can make a Lord of the Rings movie, a Lord of the Rings movie, which is like, wait, one. And then someone's like, well, we'll get let you do two. And then they pitched it to New Line and New Line's like, well, yeah, if you're going to make this, you have to make three movies. New Line told them they have to be three movies. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I mean, that's a given. So uh, the the thought about it being one or even two movies, that's, that's just bizarre. It's it's completely absurd, is it not?
1: It It is. It, it's weird. Can you imagine one movie to tell this story?
0: No, I can't. One movie? <laughs> They would cut so, so much from this if they cut it down to one movie.
1: Literally, it's going to be like 45 minutes of... Can you imagine a movie where you only get 45 minutes of Fellowship, 45 minutes of Two Towers, and 45 minutes of King? Jesus.
0: Yeah. Even at two movies, it would be really difficult to cut. I mean, I'm just trying to think of, like, where would you cut it even at that point? Like, after... I don't even know where you'd cut it.
1: Well, and even, even, even with... 24 hours of three extended versions of this movie i there's always people that say oh my god and even with that they still cut things or adapted things in a way that are a little bit different and it would have been yeah. cool if they were, right so imagine um the conversations behind this series which as amazing as it is you still get some people like oh this would have been cool or this would have been nice yeah. imagine if this would have been done in one or two films <laughs> imagine yeah, the I conversations can't, can't. behind that
0: i couldn't imagine the the sacrifices that they have to make to make that i I can't imagine i mean the the animated movies of the lord of the rings are there are two movies but they're also an animated not very good movies yeah and and and,
1: and, yeah they're not good movies um necessarily um and you can make an argument and not just i'm not discrediting animation because i'm with del toro hero animation is not a genre it's cinema but you can also make an argument that with animation there's there's a lot of corners that you can cut to deliver a story whereas in live yeah. action it would be more difficult to cut those corners
0: oh don't get me wrong i think and well i i don't i wouldn't say that there's that's actually one of the joys of animation i think animation allows you to do more than sometimes live action and filmmaking um that's one of the reasons why I think Castlevania is a series that works very well because you can cut corners on that; and you don't have to design certain things. Mm-hmm. I think there's that, that's not that's not a divisive thing. I don't think to say too much because I think animation warrants its own type of storytelling
1: Absolutely. that is not
0: able to work for live action. And um, it, this is a, this is an incredible story to actually work at the level it does because this, by all rights, should not have worked. You know what I'm saying? Like this is way too. This is a humongously ambitious project. I think that's one of the things that's, that's really important to remember this is unbelievably ambitious yes. beyond anything we've ever seen this is definitely one of like the greatest fantasy films we've ever seen there's For in sure. my mind there's no doubt these are the greatest fantasy films we've ever seen it's probably the most ambitious project that's been well executed um that we've ever seen i mean minus the i think honestly if we're talking about biggest ambitious projects in terms of cinema um this and the MCU are kind of the big things for me. Uh, the MCU is is a huge ambitious project. Yeah, uh, I would w- I know worked, you don't like them, but until... I would
1: add I would add the avatar films to to this. Okay. I I, I you know I, I would add them just as a, as an from an ambition perspective.
0: Well, I think I think that the difference there is they had CGI for that and they didn't use CGI in this as much as they did in that. And also that because this is based on other material. Um, I mean, yes, we know that Avatar is based on other material. It's just basically Pocahontas with blue people, but and, yeah, yeah, it's Pocahontas and story.
1: dances with wolves. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: basically the same thing. So um I'm surprised
1: didn't get uh, in for adapted screen. No, and no, don't get me but, wrong, no, they're whatever. different scopes for sure, right? Yeah. This is a more practical and avatar is a full, you know, digital just creation masterpiece whatever uh but i think from an ambition perspective like get the the, the, oh my god i was gonna say the toro sorry (laughs) don't hate me steve um jackson um i think jackson is up there with people like cameron who are just they're ballsy to you know taking these projects because cameron has done the same Thing when, when it comes to Titanic and Avatar and Jackson, like these are projects that, like you said, on paper, they're not supposed to work. Studios are going to push back. Like, what 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 is this pitch? Are you crazy? Like, no. How are you? Yeah. You're, you're, you're filming three movies. And obviously, you know more than me in this. And from what I'm quoting, yeah. from what I remember, but you're filming three movies back to back for like four years. And like, are you nuts? Like, that's not done. Like, that doesn't happen. And it's ambitious. And it's, it's, it's huge, huge projects that at the time they started filming this was hardly ever done if at all
0: i mean i mean i mean that's definitely the the stuff that's so crazy about it i mean and that's not to discredit other ambitious projects of the past too like something like filming of apocalypse now or 2001 a space odyssey you know those are incredibly ambitious projects at the time mm. um but you know this this has got to be one of those ones that just takes it up just another level to like the best and peak of what 90s filmmaking could be because this is all shot in the 90s it started shooting in 1997 yeah. Um. And there was so much work. That's when the production really started and shooting. It was really such an incredible film. Um. And and it's it's really difficult to kind of dive into this trilogy because it's so, uh, just so massive. Like you said, it's at least um nine hours of of footage. Uh. One of the things about the extended editions, which kind of run into the runtime of them, is the credits are about 20 30 minutes long because they know <laughs> I'm, I'm not even kidding they are that long oh, because I, they list every single person who's, in, yeah. who's a fan uh so that's that's great but you know that's why they add a lot of time but um to dive into this trilogy it's kind of difficult to to kind of start but like i guess the, the place to really begin with it is to talk about the casting because um you know peter jackson is he's got to get a lot of credit for how well cast this movie is. There's there's so many casting rumors about this film, which I think are so fascinating. There's like all of these different stories about who was potentially cast as who and all of these different things like, you know, Sean Connery almost played Gandalf or Aragorn was played by Nick Cage. At one point, they were talking about that. Um, I think Russell Crowe was in talks to be Boromir or things like that. Like there's all these crazy rumors out there about who was on there. I know one of them is true where um, uh, Vigo was not the first cast person to be to play everyone. We, we yeah. know that that's true. But yeah, I, I believe it was Stuart Townsend and they were like, this person's too young and doesn't look right for the role. So they, uh, they recapped the him.
1: Queen of the Damned. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And but uh, you know there, there's so many other people like they were they almost cast like here's just the name of the people who are not in this movie uh that are on this list of casting rumors here they include patrick stewart max von seiden morgan freeman sean connery richard harris lucy lawless nicole kidman sylvester stallone anthony hopkins <laughs> They're just nuts. This names Who's Sam. Neal, Nail, Tom Wilkinson. Cool yeah. Peter O'Toole, Stuart okay. Townsend, Russell Crowe, Donald Sutherland. Like those are all names that are on here that are, were considered at one point. I love that the majority um, of those
1: people, I assume, were for Gandalf because a lot of them are like old <laughs> and white men. So I'm, I'm like assuming like a lot of them were like buying for like Gandalf. Probably.
0: Yeah, a lot of them. A lot of them are. Uh, well, some of them are. No. Oh, apparently Jeremy Irons, Malcolm McDowell, Tim Curry, all in talks to be Sauron. um theoden was tom wilkinson or sam neill uh you know these these like these are crazy names it's like i mean it's such a project to be a part of and yeah if you are white there's a good chance you were almost cast in this film because it is an entirely almost almost entirely white film i mean if that's what it is it's an almost entirely white film minus is, there's a couple is. of uh maori actors i believe that are in this that play orcs which is mildly problematic, but because we can make
1: makeup. But that's another conversation.
0: <laughs> we don't need to get into that part of the conversation. But this cast, though, is is an absolutely brilliant cast. I think that's one of the things to really shout out. Every single casting choice is absolutely perfect. Brilliant. I really I can't think of anyone that's a misstep in this. No, I mean. It it's 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 just mind boggling to me how good this this cast is. I mean, yeah. you have Sean Astin, Sean Bean, Kate Blanchett, Orlando Bloom, Billy Boyd, Christopher Lee, v- Viggo Mortensen, Ian McKellen, Dominic Monaghan, John Reese davis Andy Serkis, Liv Tyler, Carl Urban, Hugo Weaving, Elijah Wood, and more. You know, like, it's it's just, it's insane, all of the different people that are you, in this film.
1: You know, what? one of what my favorite castings of this movie, um, obviously, it's Kate Blanchett. I think she is one of the, the, I mean, everybody's perfect in this film. She's like, if I were to rank, she would be like top five. Castings choices for me. Yeah, we're going to ask
0: about the best casting later on, by the
1: way. But, but uh, yeah. one of the reasons that I love <laughs> that she's in this movie is that at this point, it's hard to it's easy to forget that Kate Blanchett at one point was not famous. <laughs> and yeah. she was no one. And when she's cast in this movie, like Elizabeth hadn't still come out. She still hadn't gotten her first Oscar nomination. She was a nobody, right? She was just yeah. an actress coming in from Australia. Uh, and then she's cast in this. And it's, you know alongside people like Ian McKellen who already had an Oscar nomination and it's just an established actor um, and Christopher Lee and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, Kate Blanchet was an unknown at one point. <laughs> and it's when she was it's, cast in this movie.
0: When you, when you look at this cast, like the cast really does feature a lot of people at the time who were not as well known um, when, when shooting the movie, you know, you look at um, someone like Kate Blanchett or Lynch, Elijah or. Wood, Live Tyler, even even someone like Ian McKellen didn't st- rise to the sheer. I mean, he was he's a, been a brilliant actor for a very long time, but he didn't rise to he Hollywood mainstream. fame. Yeah, he wasn't mainstream until recently, until like right after this. This and Miss, Magneto, the X Men. Yeah, yeah, you know, at the same time, Vigo Mortensen, nobody knew who that really was. He's been in a couple things. Um, you know, someone you Christopher even like, Lee. Uh, you
1: had Sean Austin, Aston. Yeah, Those were like Sean asked popular people, people,
0: people people knew him because of Rudy. Chris Lee. everybody knew because of well, he knew him Christopher because of Lee being... and
1: Goonies and stuff like yeah. that. So they were, you know, yeah. popular I mean, because of that.
0: Sean Bean had a career before this. He just played a Bond villain like <laughs> a couple of the... years prior to this
1: isn't this the movie that a lot of people credit with the trope that sean bean dies in everything i think it is
0: it's where he starts <laughs> to die in every single thing he's in but sean bean was a big actor throughout the 90s as well yeah john reese davies was in um you know he's been in a number of things that people had seen before this you know including yeah. indiana jones but it's like hugo weaving this comes out this uh, the lord of the rings the the fellowship of the ring comes out this a uh, couple years after after the matrix um after the matrix which yeah. you know is his welcome to the world and you know that's it's it's incredible um, and I, I just, I, I think it's, it's incredible work that they did with this casting and it's absolutely brilliant. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the casting later and when we'll talk, we'll do some of our favorites, our own personal favorites from these yeah. films in a little bit, but, uh, uh, I just, I just, you got to start with them. I mean, without no, the casting being where it is, it, it wouldn't have been.
1: It's yeah. just a great casting. And I think it, it, it'll go down in history as one of, of the best ensembles ever um and i think it's very there's very few projects out there especially projects like this like a continuous story a continuous trilogy a continuous ip that there's no weak links mm-hmm. Um, you can have great ensembles but there's always somebody that's like flimsy or you can re or they get recast or stuff like that or whatever happens but i think this is one of the very few ensembles that there are no weak links and i think everybody regardless of their career pre or post Lord of the Rings, what they do in this, in these movies, they were perfect as those characters. And it would be very hard for me to see somebody else in any of these roles, except for the people that we got.
0: And I I would agree with that. I think it is the absolute perfect casting. There's, I mean, if, if you had to nitpick and you had to replace one person in the entire series, I can only think of really one thing that I would change, but that's not really it's such a minor part that like no one even realizes it's there um Kalenborn is played by Martin Choskas and uh people don't even know who that is but um people don't know <laughs> Kellenborn is first of all and people don't know who Martin Choskas is but like I think it could just be that it's a, it's a super modern uh small role that um actually in the theatrical version he has no speaking lines so like that's why uh but I think he could it could be slightly better but that's just me and that's yeah. just me being mean to Martin Choskas, who I did not realize is New Zealand. He's a New Zealander. And I didn't realize that until two days ago. I oh. thought he was, I mean, he's, his last name is uh, Chokas, uh, which is spelled C S, C S O K A S, which um, he's Hungarian and he plays all Russian bad guys. He plays Eastern European bad guys and everything. Okay. So that's why I thought he was that. But like, anyway, that's a different story. Um, but I think everybody else, it's just absolutely brilliant casting, you know? We get the emergence of you know Orlando Bloom in this, you know, like
1: <laughs> this is yeah, because people a lot of people think that pirates is what made him huge. People this, this came up before pirates. I know, yeah, but it's we, it's we, we talked Legolas. about this.
0: It's like we talked about it. Yeah. Especially the they recut the trailer for um for pirates of the Caribbean to feature mostly Orlando Bloom because of this. of the of the two towers. Because in the two towers, when he skateboards down the, the rail in um on a, on a, on a shield the they, You know, the coolest moment in cinematic history of the 2000s, um, <laughs> you know, that's that's that that reshaped the entire career of him. So, yeah, yeah. um, I, I do want to I think the next thing to really shift to, though, is is if we're t- talking about choices, you know, you know, we have the whole casting, which has been brilliant. But, you know, I think if we had to rank choices, probably I don't know where it would go. It'd have to be the top three at least. But the choice to shoot in New Zealand. I think for this project is is one of the best choices because, you know, there were a couple of different places they, they mentioned at different points, I think like Scotland or um, other parts of Europe uh, or, you know, a soundstage in Hollywood, um, mm-hmm. but they decided to shoot it in New Zealand. And this has to be amazing because the locations are stunning and they're real. The sets are all built with passion and attention. And like that, this is really what stands out to me and has such a lasting impact for this film is these locations are real. You know, like when they show this, the, 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 this, those st- staging shots for everything, these are real locations. The mountains are real. The meadows are real. The valleys are real. They're they're almost all entirely real spots. Like Hobbiton is a real place. You can go and visit it. It really does look like that. That's gotta be one of the best choices in this film.
1: It's what keeps the movie. One of the aspects that keeps the movie alive and why I think the movie um, 20 years later, still hasn't aged in a bad way and i don't think it. and that's one of the things that will prevent the movie from aging right it's we always talk about practical effects and practical stuff and creating these worlds and i think the fact that they went to new zealand jackson is from new zealand right
0: yeah he's from okay. new zealand so like most of the most of the, the number of the cast is from new zealand um a number of the people are from either new zealand or australia okay the cast the, they're from new Zealand. Uh the the writers are you know the the writers are there Fran Walsh and Philip Boyden are are new from New Zealand. So that makes a lot of sense as to why they shot it there but yeah
1: okay um yeah, it just it's just perfect. it's beautiful and and it, it gives it, we're talking about like you said, this is a fantasy movie we're definitely I'm with you I think this is probably the best fantasy trilogy of all time best fantasy movies of all time. And when you're dealing with fantasy, it's very easy to just conceptualize in a way that makes it look hyper-realistic, and the fact that they just, we're going to shoot in New Zealand, these places exist, there's beauty right here that we can make and and incorporate into this world, it's just one of the best decisions in Hollywood making. But to be fair, every decision in this movie is basically perfect.
0: Yeah, basically, uh, I, I, and I think like the, the realism aspect of it is really important because, mm-hmm. you know, today so many movies are shot on a big soundstage in or in a dome Atlanta, and like, yeah, and, and they don't, they look, they kind of look like it.
1: Oh, yeah. The, the, the camera moves
0: in a way that's unnatural. They, they feel different. This this is like the end of the, the modern filmmaking and now we're in postmodern, we're like, or end of postmodern filmmaking. There we're were like meta modern filmmaking, which is weird, but That's a different argument, but this, this is really done with practical effects. A lot of it's practical, you know, the, the use of force perspective in the filmmaking is, is incredible. When you look at the behind the scenes, it's, it's insane that these aren't just like side by side shots with, um, you know, with hobbits who are smaller and, you know, wizards, it's not side by side shots. They're all forced perspective, which has Mm -hmm. gotta be, it's so difficult to do that. I mean, one of the, the best examples of this is when you see. Um, when you see a picture of the fellowship, this is always amazing to me. When you see a picture of the fellowship and all the actors together and everything, um, John Rhys Davies is the tallest person in the fellowship. Yep. And he plays Gimli, the dwarf, (laughs) you know, and he's the tallest one, but you can't tell unless you're really looking, which in the, in the last time I watched, I was really looking. You can't tell that it's a double half the time. You yep. can't really tell. I mean, I I could tell sometimes because I was able to I was looking for it very adamantly. I mean, but, you're but stu- like, yeah, you're
1: basically studying it. I'm studying the, the film. Wise, right. last,
0: yeah, the last time I watched it, I, was, right, I keep studying it every time I look for something new and that was one of the things I noticed the last time and it was really fascinating to see, but you know, that's that's what's so amazing about it is it's all these actors are on set, they're all together. They have such a a passion for this film as well. And like all the sets are designed with with care, with love. Um, They're all designed too; they're not just like CGI. Now granted, there is CGI used in this film uh, at different points. You know, you have to you can't create all of it. You can't create Um, an
1: eye. Oh, there wasn't a real eye.
0: No, it was not a real flaming eye. Even like even like some of the, the places they go to are created with CGI. Certainly. But um, it's 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 combined so well that I think it, it it works really well. I mean, now there are some effects that are that stand out that are pretty bad. Um, at different points today, they've aged pretty quickly. I mean, elephant,
1: like elephant riding. <laughs> oh no, the elephant riding's not that's not the worst. The, the elephant not the worst, th- but the I'd elephant tusk always like jumps out at me.
0: The worst, no, the worst thing for me is um in the Fellowship of the Ring when Gandalf goes flying up in uh, Orthanc and he goes flying up that's the worst shot for me of of all of them that's the okay. one that looks the fake the most fake uh when you when you see that one because it looks so out of the, out of out of nowhere it's really weird after the wizard fight mm-hmm. it looks so strange but uh yeah no i what i think it is brilliant and what i what i love too, is they they also brought in um the the actual artists of this which i think is really great the the for their their con- concept design. They brought in uh John Howe and Alan Lee, who are the two people who are like the um illustrators for Tolkien. Uh Tolkien handpicked these two as like his illustrators oh. for stuff. Um and they've been, you know, our work inspired by this and, and they brought them in to to kind of draw and design conceptually all of the different parts of this, which I thought was really brilliant. Um and really worked really quite well. And and they did like the the production design also built all of these different costumes. They built the sets, they built all the props with, and like as real props, these aren't just like, like the, the armor that people are wearing is real metal armor. It's not fake costume armor. It's heavy. It's heavy. The swords are real swords. Like, Everything was so like much-
1: real iron or real like metal, like to the point that is it in two towers that Vigo infamously breaks his toe <laughs> while kicking <laughs> the helmet, and that scene is in the movie. And the scream that he lets out is him screaming because he just broke his toe. Yeah. <laughs> and it's That's like, like one
0: of the best scenes.
1: It's one of the best scenes. And tidbits like that, right? It's uh I mean, I'm not saying please break your fingers. I'm not an actor, right? <laughs> but I'm like, I'm not saying that, right? But it's it's those elements of reality that yeah. add to the the how great these movies are and how i think they're going to stand the test of time we're at 20 years 20 more years right because it's things like that that make it real you see that scene and i remember when i learned when that was a real thing that happened and then i went back to seeing the scene i paid co- close attention um uh, i think it was when i was doing my my minor in cinema or whatever i paid close attention and like you can hear the kick like it's a hard kick to something heavy, so it's like real. He's like legit kicking something heavy, a helmet that is very heavy, something that is crafted for you to feel like you're actually in that place with that armor. Uh, and it's just details like that is just like make these movies just so freaking great.
0: I, it's it's incredible, um, absolutely, absolutely incredible. Um, one of the things that's really interesting is the story choices here because. The the story choices are are bold for for a work so beloved and held as sacrosanct, um, and I think that's that's one of the things that's really complicated. You you know, as like a lover of something like say say Harry Potter, when they make changes for the films, people get really really upset about that. Um, <laughs> and like the Lord of the Rings has almost more fervor for how detailed it is because of all the the detail that's gone into it. Uh, In the writing, it's so unbelievably detailed. When they made any changes to it, it became quite divisive here and people got really mad. But at the same time, it does work and people have since gotten over a lot of the anger around it. I mean, they had to uh, because of because also people were upset about some of the changes, but ultimately the product in the end still worked beautifully. Why do you think it does? It did work and it's held on so well and people still have gotten over it so much
1: yeah you know it's one of those things you know there, there's fandoms to all of these things right i'm not a, a lord of the rings originalist um so i'm just looking at it from this perspective but i think one of my my, my things i've never been too on the side of like it needs to be exactly like the page because remembering mm-hmm. like this these were written as written texts and not necessarily as visual text so there's always going to be changes um But Lord of the Rings does something that I think very few IPs when it comes to translations have done. And it's that the changes that they have made maintain not only the essence, but the just the the spirit of what Tolkien was trying to convey. And when changes like that are made, but you still retain that story aspect and that passion for it. People can get over it over time. There's always going to be people that are going to be mad. Like, right? You put me some Harry Potter movies and I will be mad. Uh, but then you put other changes in the Harry Potter movies. And I'm like, okay, they work because I can still see, I still get the feeling that I got when I read the book. And I think it's the same, it's same thing here. Um, When you get, this is the world, this is what Tolkien was trying to say. They change it for it to be like this, but it still works. I can get over it. And I think that's why a lot of people have calmed down a little bit on 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 these changes. I remember asking you. I think I asked you this years ago, and I can't remember the exact question, but I think I kind of asked you once: Is Lord of the Rings um, an adaptation or a something else? I kind of think I asked you this once. Um, and we have. Oh, for me, it's it. it's definitely an
0: adaptation. There's no doubt that it would be anything. But oh, an
1: I remember adaptation. what I asked you. I asked you if Lord of the Rings is an adaptation or an interpretation.
0: Um, oh and, I would say it's an adaptation. And, I mean, some of the lines are like word for word from Tolkien. Yeah. Um the way it's the way it's written is diff- obviously different because you know, once you get to the later books, they're split into two books. Uh actually this is supposed to be written as six books, but you know, whatever <laughs> the publisher yeah. wanted as three. Um but it, it the end of it, you know, the, the, the pacing, the way it intercuts the story, I think it works. Um the way it it kind of goes over the line uh with the story between the two towers and the return of the king um the stories don't actually line up the way they do in the movies they line up differently in the books but i think it works for in terms of pacing i think one of the things that uh the writers had to struggle with is the idea of pacing how do you pace a film you know you have to have a big swell at the end of it for for the way a three-act structure of a film works um you have to really make sure that the actual filmmaking aspects work um even the choice the the i think there's the the hardest choice i think they had to make uh is the end of the of the film the end of the trilogy which is the scouring of the shire in the book um in which they actually come back to a completely written thing which they don't do in the movie um i think it was that was probably the most difficult choice they had to make cutting tom bombadil that's fine by me i don't really care that's not that big of a thing yeah people get upset about it but you know what who cares
1: (laughs) that i I don't care
0: that doesn't bother me at all um but the the scouring the Shire is, is a very big thing and changes a little bit of the way the spirit of the film um in, in a way but I think it makes it more positive, more hopeful and pot and like you've always been okay on, with that change, right? I've been okay with that change the entire time because also you can't add another half hour onto the film. The movie's already <laughs> three and a half hours long. You can't add another and if you're writing the on, director's
1: right? cut, is already five hours long.
0: <laughs> exactly. You 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 can't really do that. Um in I, and I have people leave I would have satisfied liked to
1: see the the Shire burn to the ground <laughs> just because I think bad. it would
0: have it would have been very difficult for audiences to understand because it doesn't fit with the sort of narrative that they've been playing with and it would be it would be very difficult I think to to land very well so I'm glad they didn't do that um and I don't think they should have at least for for this this trilogy here but I think other choices they made I, I think are, are really good um whether that be to add in a couple of little minor details, uh, here or there, um, add some more, uh, character to, to some of them. Uh, I think yeah. that worked pretty well. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I really liked a lot of the choices they made in, in their interpretation of, of his vision, I think is, is brilliant, especially with the visual aspects of it. I think that's something you can't really get, get beyond. Um, yeah. it's, it's just brilliant um, um well and i what
1: and, it, and i wanted to quickly yeah. add really quickly um i think when when you're juggling i don't know what 30 plus characters at one point by the third movie um obviously different main secondary whatever blah blah, blah but you're juggling so many characters i am always surprised just from a film perspective not in a book adaptation perspective how i get to learn about the motivations of these characters and I get to learn about them. Not many characters in this movie are left to the sideline. Like I, I, I understand like even somebody, something like, oh um, my, what's his name? Like Grimace Grimma, um, Grimma, something, yeah. like, Grima, something like, you know, it's such a s- minimal secondary character, although very important, especially in two towers, like I get to know his motivations. And I like that there's a good balance that we get to learn about these characters, I get to learn a lot about Cate Blanchett's character in Fellowship in one scene with Frodo, just when she's having that when she's giving him the visions. Like I, I, I love that, and I think that's very difficult when you have again thirty plus characters to juggle, um, in this kind of film.
0: And I, I think that there's there's so many different parts of this that I think are are just absolutely spot on when it comes to that. Um, the fact that you know these characters' names by the end of the film and you remember so many of them in their stories throughout the trilogy, I think it's really important. Um, it's one of the things that's not successful about other subsequent material that's made by this, but like, I think it's it's something that's really, really important for this, um, and I think it works so well. One of the things I do want to talk about is the the idea of the extended editions. Uh, I know you keep calling them a director's cut, which I guess they're director's cuts, but... Um, it's officially extended
1: refer- editions, right?
0: Yeah, it's officially so it's extended my bad, editions. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's fine. I don't. I don't know if maybe that is just director's cut, but uh, I guess we. I've called them the extended the entire time because that's Fair. what they're marketed as. Um, but this is this is probably the most famous of extendeds. I would say of anything because they're done the so best. seamlessly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're they're done so seamlessly as well. Uh, like they actually went back and you know made sure to edit it correctly to make sure that they seem like they're completely seamless. Um and of this stuff and it's it's really changed how people can view these films and it is probably the most famous of the extended editions of any films
1: i would say absolutely and 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 ones that people don't i joke around that Return of the king is five hours long or five and a half hours long i don't get tired of watching the extended edition even if it's five or five hours long right and i think that tells you a lot not only about the way the movie is crafted and how seamless it is but also about how these movies hit the cultural zeitgeist for us, because I know I, I still haven't found somebody who's told me that they haven't enjoyed the extended editions. That's not to say that they watch them regularly. Like I see, I know people who are like, Hey, I saw them once they're too long. I don't see them again, but they were great, but I haven't seen, yeah. I, I still don't know somebody who has seen them like, Oh, the, like the theatricals are better. And it's like you said, it, there's just so much care and understanding I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't don't think we use that word, but Jackson understands this world to a degree that I think a lot of people don't whatever IPs they're doing. And that goes into the fact that these extended versions are literally just so famous, like for like the the nerds that I know, the geeks that I know, like us, we all prefer the extended versions.
0: I mean, I think it's it's done because they have such love for this i think that's very apparent throughout the entire series is they have such a love for this movie for this project for this these books they have such a love for it and they they talk about this in the uh behind the scenes stuff where they they had copies of the books lying all over the place on set and people would read it constantly just for the scene they're shooting to get more inspiration for it Mm -hmm. and it's done because they wanted to just add in that little bit extra stuff that the fans want and they wanted to do it for everybody and i think that's that's what's so great. I mean, I remember hearing um one of the stories about after after it won Best Picture when the Return of the King won Best Picture. Uh, rather than go to the Oscars party after, they went to a party hosted by the which was the big fan site for them. And they were hosting a big party. And they were going to go stop by there, but instead they ended up staying the entire night. The entire cast went and celebrated at with all the fans and they they did it for the fans and it is absolutely loved. And I think that's what's what's so, what's so great about
1: it. Yep. And like you said, we haven't mentioned, and I don't know if you mentioned, but this is one of the few movies that when we talk about a clean sweep, this yeah. one, we did a clean sweep at the Oscars. It went eleven for eleven. It won all eleven awards. Return of the King, specific, King specifically, and it's tied at number one with two other films with the most awards or Oscars ever given to yeah. that movie.
0: It's incredible. I mean, one of the and speaking of one of the people who did that, uh, you know, looking at is the score. I can't we we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the score, um uh howard shore won two oscars for this which is amazing he won two oscars for the same trilogy which isn't often done i would say it's not um there's only like one other person who's done that i think john williams has done that but you know that's a different story
1: uh but we're talking about john John williams
0: he's john williams yeah yeah uh but how quickly did this go into like the the conversation of best scores of all time do you think
1: oh i think it's considered one of the top 10 best scores of all time right i think so or definitely for a lot of people it's just an iconic score it's a recognizable score you're a music person right you you know music you listen to a lot of music um it's one of those scores that you as soon as you hear it there's just something about it don't ask me what because i don't know about the backstory of scores i don't know how to pinpoint scores but there's just i don't know if it's chords i don't know what it is So but I know that as soon as I hear and it doesn't even have to be the main theme of Lord of the Rings or whatever the main theme is, it could be a lot of the score throughout any of the three films. I listen to it or I hear it and I immediately go, that's Lord of the Rings, just the same way as Jaws, just the same as Star Wars and other movies. Forrest Gump, for example, for me out of Africa, like this is just phenomenal. And the work that Howard Shore does is outstanding. Um, I think it transcends fantasy as well, which is something that I really enjoy. Just like what Williams did with Star Wars, where he brought, you know, a a symphony (laughs) into a sci-fi movie. Um, I think Shore does this with this fantasy film. It just transcends what you would think of as fantasy music or a fantasy score. And it just becomes so just like it could be put into everything. And it's phenomenal.
0: I I love this score obviously. Um I whistle the Hobbit theme all the time. It's something that I whistle a bunch of themes. I have a couple of things that I, I cycle through when I whistle. I, I like to whistle. I'm just weird like that and I like to whistle. Um <laughs> it's it's just a, a personal quirk of my own um but I I whistle the the Hobbit theme all the time, which is Concerning Hobbits is the name of the track. Um I whistle it constantly. But one of the things that he does which I think is brilliant, um more than uh most not most of their filmmakers, but a lot of a lot of uh, composers. He works in motif very well. Uh, he has different motifs, which are little little stories that are themes for each mm-hmm. different character, and you could hear how they're played upon each other throughout the film. And it's done, it's done at, like at an expert level, and with this film, and I think it's 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 at the highest possible level you can have, and there is that beauty of it, and uh, his his ability to write the score is incredible, and his use of I think one of the things that sets it apart is is the use of voices which i think is really brilliant um you know a lot of the the choir pieces in this are, are very very good um in terms of the the sound you're going to get with this yes i think it's very good um i i got i got the opportunity to see this this actually this 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 year um they played it at uh radio city music hall the the live orchestra played
1: Oh, with nice!
0: The, with the theatrical version, I got to see that this year, which was incredible. It was incredible to watch. For which
1: one? For Return of the King or Fellowship?
0: No, for the Fellowship of the Ring, the first Fellowship.
1: One. Awesome! Uh, which, was, which was? Oh, brilliant. that would have been. That must have been cool. Oh,
0: it was very very fun. Uh, it was an absolutely beautiful experience. Uh, it was fun to watch the movies in the movie in theaters with a bunch of fans too. Um, it was really funny to see how like when people cheered and all this stuff. It, it, <laughs> it, it was it was very very fun and. and quite silly at different points. Like that's fair. <laughs> um, but it, it was very, very fun. And I, I love too that um when they did the extended editions, Howard Shore actually went back and re-scored it so that it would match seamlessly. So you wouldn't even be able to tell, which I think is, oh, is nice. really really shows the passion they had for this project. You know, they had such passion for it. And I, I think it is, you know, one of the things that stands above with this one. So
1: that that's cool. And also, yeah. you know, jokes aside um, but it's fun. I, I had no idea he came back for <laughs> uh, the TV show um, and he's nominated for for the score at the Emmys for the TV show. So he could win an Emmy for for the score. So it's nice that he stayed. I only bring it up because I it's nice that he it's awesome that he's in this world still. Right. That he cares for yeah. this music, cares for this world to the point that, you know, 25, 26 years later, when he started working in this movies, he came back for the show and and well, to do the score.
0: I mean for me he he did the opening theme song, opening theme score of it. That's all he did.
1: Oh for, okay. For this. I mean because but I he just still came be clear back and it's like amazing.
0: Yeah, I just want to be very clear. Uh I don't want to But he
1: still came back and work on yeah. it. <laughs> well,
0: well, I just want to be clear just because I try to distance myself from that television show. But we're not talking about that right now. Uh the I do want to talk about our favorites from this series because there's a lot of like fun parts about this and you know each of us have our own passions and our our, our funness about this but uh, this is this is kind of fun aspect. But like which which one of the fav- which one of these movies is your favorite movie?
1: Um, two Towers. That's um, my favorite. too. Okay. That's my favorite. Yeah, it's that it's the one that I rewatch the most. Like sometimes I'm bored and I'm just I put number two on for some reason. I, I love Two Towers. There's just something about it that just oh, love.
0: I love that movie. I know exactly why. For me, 100, is Rohan. I love Rohan. I think it's brilliant. Uh, uh, it's I mean, so that's, good. that's my favorite. That's my favorite musical piece as well. I love okay. that that theme. I, I love the theme. the The violin that's about to snap. I love it. I, I think it's brilliant. I love it. Love it. Do you have a do you have a favorite scene?
1: Two Towers, battles of Helm Deep. I know it's cliche, but like that is cinematic brilliance. Um, and I think it's just outstanding. And I, I. I'm actually sometimes bored and I go to YouTube and watch that scene on YouTube. Just pause. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I love, love, love that scene. Isn't that like an hour, like 45 minutes of the movie? And it's just. Yeah, it's like 45
0: minutes. And <laughs> the fact that so that, that
1: was long. done with like literally real people, extras overnight yeah. like that, it's just, it's just insane.
0: Yeah, that's it's incredible. It's incredible the amount of work they put into this. My favorite scene probably for, uh, uh, if I were to guess, it's it's difficult to have a favorite scene from these films. It, it truly is difficult to have a favorite scene. I don't mean to say that as like a, I don't know. It, it, that sounds super nerdy too at the same time, but I I would say it's not an action piece actually. It would probably be the the scene at Edoras when Gandalf releases uh, Theoden from the the spell. That would probably be my favorite scene. I really like that one. I think it's done very well. Oh, okay, uh, someone, okay, yeah, was, yeah. someone was arguing at one point. Uh, they were like, is there any scene in the book that's actually better in the movie? And for me, that's a better scene in the movie. I love that scene. That's part, oh, okay. my favorite scene. Love that scene.
1: Oh, nice.
0: I, I don't know. I don't know if you can tell this part, but this is a kind of interesting thing. But the extended scenes or added scenes. Do you do you have a favorite one of those? Because like I don't know if you could tell which ones were added and which ones were. I can I don't tell know if you remember. a few
1: of them. I mostly can tell in fellowship um... I think I like, I like, I know we get more of the Shire in Fellowship.
0: 45 minutes of the Shire,
1: yeah. at least in the Sh- I, Fellowship. I like that. I like how much time we spend in the Shire. So I like seeing that, you know, entire like Shire scene added. Because um, in the theatrical, goes like about 20 minutes and then we leave. Um, so I think we probably get like 20, 25 extra minutes and I like that. Um, so I do like a lot of the Shire thing because I like the Shire, probably why I wanted the Shire to burn. I wanted to see that scene. Uh, but I do like, uh, the extended, um, everything we do get in the Shire and Fellowship. I really do like.
0: Um, for me, if I had to pick like one scene, it's, it's kind of difficult because there's again, it's, again, I think it's the, well, there's a scene in the two towers I really like, which is the the funeral scene for, uh, which I think is really a good impactful scene. Um, it's not in the theatrical version, I believe. Um, but I, I really like that scene. Um, but I think one of the ones, that's just fun. A really fun added scene is the drinking scene from the beginning of the return of the King. When Gimli and Legolas are having a drinking contest. It's not a theatrical version. I I love it. It's really funny. It's really silly. Uh, and it, it just shows their character in, in a really fun way. Uh, I I really like that scene. It, it's yeah. a it's a fun one to add in there.
1: Oh, you know what? Uh, that's an extended scene, added scene that I like. Um, when oh my again, his name Saruman's henchman um, Grima Grima. Um, when he doesn't he he stabs Saruman right? Yeah,
0: he stabs Saruman.
1: I way. really love that scene. It's just because I remember I remember like oh this is just. Cool, and I like that scene for some reason. So that's another one that I would add.
0: Yeah, that scene's different. That scene's new. Um, I also like even in, I think just before, just prior to that one when uh, uh, Pippin and Mary are, are smoking weed, uh, and they don't invite <laughs> uh Treebeard to come and, and join him. I think that's yep. a really funny scene that's added. The mouth of Sauron is interesting, and I don't mind that one. Um, I don't that's really mind it. An
1: interesting one. Yep.
0: Amazing technique too. Uh, just but. Uh, there there's there's some really cool aspects. do we of get it. I, I, I just, can't
1: remember do we get a longer scene with the ghosts?
0: yeah, Did we, we get an extended cave? part of the ghosts. The yes. ghost is longer. yeah um we see that a little bit because we kind of what they they kind of change it up a little bit because we um we forget about the people coming in from the north and uh that's it, it changes a little bit of that movie, but um I think it still works.
1: yeah, I it's really fun. like that. it's fun. yeah
0: we also get um I like this song where. Uh Aragorn sings about the, the lay of Baron and Luthien. Yeah and adds more to his character. I think it's it's great. You know, there's there's a bunch that I like. Um but let's let's move on because otherwise we could just keep going into all the extended scenes and be here for another 20 minutes. Who's your favorite Hobbit? Sam. Pippin.
1: Oh Pippin's yours. Fun. Oh,
0: Pippin, yeah.
1: Sam's great. Don't get me wrong, but Pippin. Pippin is Pippin's the one that touched the orb, right? Or yeah. was that Mary? Yeah, Pippin. Yeah.
0: You always have to look
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he does give he does give karaoke in return of the king <laughs> yeah it's great i love it's it so, good. I love so i love
0: it yeah and sam sam's a sam's a great choice that's always a good choice too it's just it's, it's sam.
1: sam sam for me i know i i don't know for me just for me sam is the heart of lord of the rings for me yeah. um so i just love him so much sean bean is uh, sean bean Sean Astin is so so good in that role.
0: I think I think the way that they portray him in this is amazing. Because you know if you watch the animated version of this, he is played as dumb and like like literally like a dumb character um who's who's like I can't think of the word but um just just a, a Dimwitted, witted i would say is the, the that, way i think to, that would be a good it. way to put it yeah um you know that that's the way to put it and like it, it's not a well it's not a well-portrayed character
1: yeah it's very um, mr magoo very aloof yeah, kind of character and it's not
0: right for this and i think the sean esten's portrayal is brilliant i think it's very very good yes and it, it brings it elevates that character to become one of the best characters from the series so and this kind of ties into the next one. It could be the same answer for you, but um, it's not for me. But uh, who's your favorite Fellowship member? Oh,
1: this one's tough. They really have to choose.
0: Yeah, you have to choose. That's the uh, point of this
1: process. So rude. Uh, uh, oof. I have to go with my wizard. I, I just love Gandalf. I-, I think Gandalf is phenomenal. And-, and the journey that he does throughout the movie and what he does. And obviously, Ian McKellen, Gandalf's my favorite.
0: That's fair. That's a good choice. It's a really good choice for me. It's Gimli. I love Gimli. You do love
1: Gimli. <laughs> I remember watching these movies. With I you. love you, Gimli. Are, you get so giddy every time Gimli and uh, and Legolas like, are together in that movie.
0: They're so good. They're such a good characters. And like you know, he's got great lines. That one uh, only
1: counts as one.
0: <laughs> that only counts. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have to toss me. Like <laughs> It's so good.
1: Don't tell the elf. <laughs> exactly. Like I love oh, it. God. I
0: love. I love his character. Uh, he's so arrogant, and he's also so short and, and just great. He's, he's such a good character, so so well written uh, and, and beautifully, beautifully done. Uh, John Rhys Davies is amazing in that, and
1: I like him in the Minds of Moria scene where he goes, "Welcome" and whatever, and then he realizes that it, it, all his people are dead. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, he does a very good job in that. Um, what I, I love, uh, I love when he there's there's a little part actually. Speaking, going back just really quickly to the extended scenes um when they talk about the the gifts from um, galadriel i think is really amazing
1: yes um
0: that because that's extended too in in the extended one um and they talk about his gift that he gets from galadriel because everybody gets different gifts and he asks for a piece of her hair one strand of hair oh the hair scene yeah she gives him three which is like a passive thing it doesn't really mean anything uh because well it seems like it's so passive at the time but if you really understand the the significance of that it's amazing um like Galadriel is supposed to be the most beautiful person in all of Middle Earth and, and like the entire world. Um, and also classically dwarves and elves hate each other. They have very much yep. a very divisive and, and devastatingly violent past with each other of distrust and all of these different issues. That's why they hate each other in the beginning of the movie. They hate each other throughout <laughs> the movies. Uh, but so it's really significant that he asks her for that and the fact that she gives it to him because yeah, in the Silmarillion, uh, what they reveal at one point is that the most powerful Elf that's ever really existed, Feanor, he asks Galadriel for her, 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 a piece of her hair, and she says no and refuses to give it to him. Yet she gives it to Gimli, and I think it's such a beautiful scene, and uh, it's it's so deep. Um, and I just love Gimli.
1: <laughs> Gimli's the best.
0: Who's your favorite non Fellowship character?
1: Uh, I'm cheating. I have to I'm um, sorry, I'm sorry. I have to I just it, and it's there's both women Galadriel and Elwin love, love, love those two characters freaking love. Also, Elwin has probably one of my top three best favorite scenes in, in this trilogy. And that's why she's up there.
0: This is the one where she makes the food and it's terrible.
1: <laughs> yes, that's it. Sure. Yeah, anyone can't cook. <laughs> those two are my favorite I, I i love them i there's just something about those two characters that i just really really gravitate towards what scene is
0: your favorite with Aoen?
1: uh i am no man
0: that's a corny scene but i got it i got you. i
1: i just love it it may be corny but i just it's so i think it's corny now because of where we are
0: yeah no it's it's great it's it's a good scene but it's like one of those like Oh, yeah, because you said man can kill me. But like man means human. But like, yeah, know, whatever. yeah, of course. <laughs>
1: yeah. But like I remember I do remember this because I remember clearly my viewing experience of Return of the King when that happened, the entire theater. I was what, 17 because I'm a year older than you. So I was like 17 when the second one came 16, 17. You were 56 by oh,
0: 16. Yeah, because you're, you're, only, you're only like six months older than me. It's not yeah. That
1: much older. So I remember <laughs> I do remember clearly the experience of watching Return of the King, number one, because Return of the King has like five endings, so I remember a lot of people like standing yeah, up. Yeah, it kept and ending. Down. It kept standing ending. Up, yeah, yeah. So like, what's going on? But I remember that scene in the theater. Literally, it was I probably, maybe my first experience ever in a theater that people were like cheering when that happened. Mm-hmm. So I clearly remember everybody's like, yeah." <laughs> so I'm like, "That's I love that scene. Corny as it may be in 2023, I think it's just a cool scene."
0: I like the scene when she fights for uh mary's right to go and fight he says it, we it, all de- She, she's like we all deserve to fight for those who we love you know like i i, I love that i think that's really good her character is yeah. really great
1: her character uh, really
0: i mean granted this film has you no know, women talking to each other i think there, there's a do you ever see the cut of uh the lord of the rings trilogy with when women talk to each other
1: no i haven't
0: you ever seen that one it's great it's all of five seconds long <laughs> um it's i think it's maybe three seconds long it's there's the little girl uh, from the two towers when she asks another woman, where's mama? And that's the entire time that you see two female characters talking to each other.
1: Oh, yeah. The little kid when, when she puts him in the oh, yeah, yeah. When she when they yep. come back, when they get to Rohan, the brother and the sister get to Rohan.
0: Yep. That's the only scene in which two care, two female characters talk to each other.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: What? Neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not what this movie is. Sorry. Uh, uh my favorite non-fellowship character is theoden uh i love theoden uh i i think Fe- theoden is he's always been, he's been one of my favorite characters for a long 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 time i love theoden i think he's a brilliant character they they change his motivation in the movie which i'm a little bit bummed about but um i i, I understand for the the, the for mechanics the of the film, film. yeah um because in the in the book when they say that you know Sauron is at your doorstep and you need to fight. He goes, okay, let's go. And then gets his whole army and decides to go fight him. Uh, and then it has to be like lured off of it to to help protect yeah. his people. Uh, but I, I, I love that characterization. I love the character. Um, I, I'm a very, very big fan of that. And I think Bernard Hill's performance is brilliant in this. He's I, so I think good. He's- I think some of the um, performances are underrated from the Academy's perspective. It's only nominated for one acting award, uh, Tell which me was about it. Ian McKellen. I think is the only one who was nominated, so he I was. think that's a, it's a little bit underrepresented, which I'm kind of bummed about. But you know, they're, they're, and that, that will come
1: to play in my next answer for your next question.
0: That's that's the thing. The best casting. Now, this is this was very difficult because. I I really want to see if you can come up with who is the best cast person in this because it's so challenging to say who's the best
1: cast. Um, it is challenging. Um, I do have one answer for this usually, and it's Andy Serkis as Gollum.
0: That's ugh, wow. Uh, that's that's the that is probably the best choice. You're 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 correct. That is the I, best casting.
1: I think that is just. It, it just there's just no words to describe what he does in this film. Um, You were saying that a lot of the performances here are underrated Um, uh, when it comes to awards or acting prowess. Uh, Ian McKellen got a nomination for Fellowship of the Ring. I think Ian McKellen should have been nominated for all three. Um, I think Sean Astin should have gotten a nomination at one point. And I really do think that Andy Circus should have been to this day, no performer has ever done this, but should have been the first stop motion i think that's what it's it's stop motion capture motion capture motion cap performance to be nominated for supporting actor oscar especially for two towers i freaking love what andy circus does here and the ending of two towers when you think he's finally free and we get back to his juxtaposition of both good and evil and that's how two towers ends it is just perfection and there is great casting in this movie i think everybody's perfection but andy circus for me will always be probably my number one answer when somebody asks me who is the person in lord of the rings
0: i think that's that's probably the correct answer if we're being honest that's the best answer because Andy circus is the legacy of this his performance is it changes a lot of stuff within cinema. Uh, he he's absolutely brilliant in this. There's no doubt that he's probably the best character uh, and actor in it working in that scene uh, in terms of how he's able to capture this performance. It's 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 absolutely incredible. No one else could have done it, uh, done it justice or done more for the the film world than that. I mean that's it's it's an absolutely brilliant performance.
1: And then he goes no, on years later, completely unrelated, but then he goes decades later and does an equally phenomenal performance as Caesar in Planet of the Apes. And the circus is so underrated in the industry, I think.
0: Yeah, I think he's he's just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, I'll 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 agree with that on best casting. I was gonna I was gonna probably go, um Ian McKellen's so good in this. He, they, he's they got my that second, wrong, he's my second. If they got that wrong, if they got that wrong, this would have been a terrible movie. I agreed, agreed. You I think, know, I
1: think you could have had, there, there are certain characters that needed to be the people that ended up being, but somebody I mean, I think we probably ruined the film.
0: The entire cast was perfect. Uh, But the, the, the ones that were, I think the most essential were Ian McKellen. I think Vigo is a great shout too, because if mm-hmm. they screwed that up, it could have been very difficult. Um, I love Christopher Lee. I think there's a great Christopher Lee story in this where Christopher Lee Actually met Tolkien at one point. He's the only person in the cast, the entire cast in production to. I mean, he was like Tolkien.
1: 115 when he did this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so very accurate. Sense.
0: Very accurate. Uh, but there's a there's a scene uh, when he gets stabbed by Grima in the end. You know, um, they were like, I think uh, Peter Jackson was trying to direct him on this. He's like, Yeah. So when you get stabbed, you know, when you get stabbed in the back, this is what kind of happens. And he goes, Don't worry, I, I know what it's like to get stabbed in the back. I know how to react. And they're like, <laughs> Wait, what? it's like yeah i've been stabbed in the back before so i, I know how, how this works
1: <laughs> it's like oh okay 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 we'll let you you, we'll let you, you, got this, you got this
0: yeah yeah uh great great times uh this this is a good one uh this is probably the most memed movie you know if you really think about it in terms of like memes that have come out from this yeah um do you have a favorite meme from this film i mean, I mean it's
1: cl- it's there's the classic there's yeah. the classic
0: one does not simply walk into Mordor like scene that that's that's the, it's one of the first memes. Like, yeah, one of the absolute first. Memes. Absolutely. Um, And it's, it's in the pantheon, the Hall of Fame of memes. There's no doubt about that. But do you have any other ones beyond that one? Because that's that's like the best one.
1: I do love anything that has to do. Oh, my God. I'm forgetting his name. But with the Stuart, um, the Faramir and Boromir's father. Oh, yeah. Uh, his face when he's like discovers that Baromir is actually alive. Or Faramir's actually like which was the one that yeah lives. Faramir. yeah Faramir. uh anything that him that he has um I like there's a lot of memes going around of him like they make fun of Farmer Farmer's death um and they use his meme I like that anything with him um, um I love Ajit, the shit scaring you up I like that one
0: oh I don't I don't I don't really know that one I love the the two that I really come to mind for me that I love the most are like the potatoes one you know boil and mash them stick them in a stew. You know, potatoes. Potatoes. That's, why, that's yeah. I'm a white person, so like, obviously, potatoes play a big part of my life. <laughs> so, like, wow. I'm just saying, like, you know, in case our listeners didn't know by now, um...
1: <laughs> or wow. or the
0: uh, <laughs> Pippin', Pippin, with, <laughs> we've had one breakfast. Yes. What about second breakfast? You know, like that's that's a good meme. You know, like when they have all those funny things or, uh. The other two that are work, work really well is when uh like whenever people go like I'm hungry and then they show the picture of like uh, uh Smeagol just like railing and like oh, railing yeah. from like being hungry. Or the other one I really love too is when Frodo falls face first into the, the dead marshes.
1: Okay, yeah. It's it's
0: just like a meme of just like him just falling face first into something. I love that sort of idea. Like that's how I feel about like the end of uh like the school year or, or something like that.
1: <laughs> that's like, us when we post grades. <laughs> did, did you
0: post? Did you post it the other day? Uh, I, yeah, think I, I think I did. Post, you did post the one with yeah. uh with, uh, when with the Theoden.
1: Yeah, I did that. Theodid. Oh, the Theoden one. That's a good one. The one where we
0: used to quote where it says, "You have no power here." <laughs> you have no
1: power here. That's an iconic one. We we, um, did, we
0: used to do that back and forth all the time to each all other. All
1: the time. Uh You shall not pass. That's an iconic Ooh, one.
0: Ooh, that was good. That was a good one. Yeah.
1: And um, Great and scene. then. Yeah, and then um another Gandalf one um. When he's like um, I'm trying to help, I'm not trying to rob you I'm trying to help you and he Gandalf just like goes all so mad and whatever. Oh yeah, that's another cool one.
0: There's a lot of good ones. This is great. It's great.
1: Also it's completely great. unrelated, but I just remember now that I mentioned Gandalf. I mentioned earlier Aragorn breaking his th- his toe. Um yeah. Another um. Blooper oh my god, one of those iconic moments. Yeah. It's Gandalf hitting himself in the head, his head when he turns. <laughs> yeah. In the- and that's I never knew that was for real, and that's for yeah. real. And that's why there's a cut there <laughs> because apparently Ian started cursing at his he head. So funny! It's so love good. It. It's so good.
0: Love it. Um, if you could live anywhere in Middle Earth, where would it be?
1: Oh, I have two places. Um, I I I have I love Hobbiton. I, I love the Shire I, I I love the Shire I would love to live in the Shire even though as long as it doesn't get burnt at the end um, I, I do like the Shire it's just peaceful and I have yeah. grown as an adult six years ago you would have asked me this question it would have been something different but now I'm like the Shire it's nice and there's fields and there's meadows and I like the Shire
0: you like the idea of peace I like the That's idea it. of peace at this peace point in my life and food yes it's good um I'd probably live in the Grey Havens, you know, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, it's okay, right really go yeah. at the end of the movie. Okay. But you also get the shoreline, which is nice. People always like to say Rivendell, right? But the thing with Rivendell, here's the here's the real question. How loud do you think it is there? That waterfall is massive. It, yeah. And if you've been to waterfalls, they're really loud.
1: And literally the waterfall is like right there.
0: That's really loud. <laughs> it's going to be really
1: loud. Yeah. And then Minas Tirith is just too populated.
0: Yeah, it's probably cold. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll stay I'll, with I'll the do. Shire.
1: Okay. I'll stay with the Shire. It's nice, cozy. That's not bad. Yeah,
0: not bad. Do you have a favorite uh, little detail from the film? Like any little, like minor detail or something that you noticed in it that you really liked? I mean, I'll give you mine. Like, so one thing I really loved is when they go to Amon Sul in the beginning of the film. I I love when he talks about this. Is the Great Watch. It's Weathertop when uh, Frodo gets stabbed. Oh, okay. uh, the first movie. Um, it's it's difficult because, like, I again, I I love some of the lore behind it. So that's what actually led me to discovering the lore. Because when I first saw it, um, when I first saw it, like later when watching it, I was like, well, I wonder what that was. And he, he, uh, Aragorn says, like, oh, that was the great watchtower of Amansul. And I'm like, this is really cool. I want to know more about it. And I read like a ton of information about it. Hmm. And I was like, they have so many details in this movie, and it's just so beautifully crafted and i love i love that aspect of it is there anything that stands out to you that you kind of like or
1: um
0: or am i just I was, overthinking it and kind of nerding out
1: no no it is not nerding out. i mean if this is this isn't this the episode that you're supposed to nerd out yeah this, <laughs> this is my is this is episode. my version of it yeah uh no i think i would say like i said it goes with like um it's quick details like the bloopers right like aragon like yeah. uh oh, yeah. breaking his toe gandalf it like things like that i love when when Things like that are left in movies because it, it just shows that, first of all, the director has a sense of humor. And second of all, um, they work. One of our favorite movies that you and I quote a lot is The Birdcage. And The Birdcage has a couple of bloopers that are left in the movie. And, yeah. and they work really well. And they're probably some of the funniest movies. So I think things like that are just elevate. Give a, give a levity to, to, to the movie yeah. that maybe if it would have gone as it was scripted. It wouldn't it be as iconic, yeah. As they are now.
0: Is there any? What would you want to take from this? If you had to take one thing from this, what would you take? Like,
1: because like there's a lot of props. Oh, from the props, uh, yeah. I love the leaf brooches from the Hobbit's capes. Oh yeah. Love, call. love those brooches. I've always found. i I every time I see a replica, I'm like, should I buy it? Um, I just love the green with the gold and the details and and how they're created. The vines around the leaves. I love those leaf brooches.
0: That's pretty cool. I mean, I like. There's a lot of cool details in this. Um, I've been lucky enough. I, I have a mug from the end of the prancing pony. Someone got me that. I don't remember who, if I'm totally honest. But um,
1: I got you that.
0: You, I thought, I thought you got. It. <laughs>
1: I got you that <laughs> thank you
0: thank you for that uh yeah you got me that as a gift
1: uh <laughs> oh so this is the last episode ever
0: <laughs> no this is the last episode ever it's the last gift you're gonna get me ever uh but yeah uh, I got that which I love so I was gonna say one uh, from the green dragon to match but like um I don't know I, I love Sauron's staff I like his staff it's a his cool staff. staff and i've actually seen uh replicas of the swords i've held, i've held a bunch of the swords at different points There's, i have a picture oh. of me holding um the the um, swords is it
1: good good replicas like yeah, sword yeah, swords yeah proper
0: proper swords yeah oh
1: cool um
0: i I've, I've held uh uh theoden's sword aragorn's sword um sting i've held a couple of those things it was pretty it, it's pretty cool Oh, cool. I'm not gonna lie. You feel pretty badass when you hold a sword uh, like that. It was, I mean, it was especially really if it's
1: like a legit sword sword. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, it's it's very very fun. So yeah. Um, one last thing to talk about within this, just because I want to just cast it off a tiny bit. Um, the legacy of this way is extremely heavy because the subsequent pro- pro- products and productions have not been as well received. I mean, you. It's been well documented that we hate the Lord of the Rings television show. It's not very good. Um, and I don't want to. I don't want to dive into it too much. But I think it's because of the weight of how successful this has been. You know, this trilogy has been unbelievably successful. Even The Hobbit was less well-received for different reasons. Um, I, you know, obviously do not like The Hobbit series. um, And that's why I hated Benicio Del Toro for so long. Um, Benicio
1: Guillermo Del Toro. Guillermo
0: Del Toro. Oh, my God. I I was thinking (laughs) of... My bad. I was thinking of the other one.
1: Uh, The other Del Toro. (laughs) Sorry,
0: not Benicio. Sorry. Guillermo Del Toro. Uh, I have no problem with me seeing on the Del No problem with him huh. <laughs> yet. Uh, Guillermo did
1: not direct the movies.
0: <laughs> I know, but he was supposed to. That was the whole thing. We talked about this. We talked I know, about this. I know. He did oh, the I, pre-production. It was going to change the whole idea, and then he didn't because he dropped out at the last minute because he dragged his feet, and then they, Peter He'll Jackson was forced Rim. to take it over. Yeah, Pacific grim. Oh, um, but what? Why? Why have these pro? Why have these subsequent projects not been as successful? Do you think?
1: Listen, first of all, to start off, you will never ever I'm I, I think you will never ever make something as successful as this within this IP. Like it's just it's it's very hard to capture. What's the saying that it's very hard to capture lightning in a bottle twice? Yeah no. or something like that, right? So it's it's just very difficult. It, I think these movies would it it's just no, it's not gonna happen. Um, I think one of the big issues is that people in case of The Hobbit and in case of The Lord of the Rings show, they are trying too hard to try and reach this level of success instead of trying to make their own thing. And I think that is, is a big problem with it. Um, and I'm going to be honest, it also comes a little bit from us, the viewers, right? We're just expecting, this is probably one of the, I think this is the best trilogy of all time, just because each each, each movie is just, fantastic um and it's really hard to capture that magic um it's really hard to do the same thing case in point the hobbit you know we have what digital blue eyes we have a gro- gopro scenes it's it, we have a lot of visual effects we have a white or completely done in computer and i think that takes away the magic of having realistic aspects which we talked about in the original the show um yeah the show oof the show, man. So I think it's, I, it's rough.
0: I think the one thing that really changed this is you had, and this has happened within a lot of IP today, and this has been a big problem with this, is you had creative filmmakers and passionate filmmakers who brought a project to a studio. And the studio said, okay, we'll green light this for you. And this they brought it with passion and love for this stuff. And now you've had this shift with the success of this, where you have studios trying to find people to make the projects they want to make. Yeah. So it's it's very different. So the studio is like, "Hey, we need. An, we're making another Hobbit movie. We're going to make a movie about the Hobbit. Can you make this for us?" Rather than it going the other way around, uh, and it's not motivated by passion. It's motivated by money. And you know, that, granted, everything's going to be motivated by money ultimately in the end, but it isn't done through passion, you know. There wasn't a passion for us to see a Hobbit movie. That what, there was no no clamors out there being like, "When are we going to get the Hobbit movie? When are we going to get the Hobbit movie? We want to see it." Especially three, and, and, and yeah, it was supposed to be one, and then it was two, and then they made it into three, which I think was the biggest mistake of all. Of yeah,
1: there's no that they made it as one. Big.
0: If yeah, if they made it as one, fine. If they made it as two, okay, I understand. They they were splitting movies like crazy in the mid era, Yeah. Uh, they were they were doing that. That's fine. But three, three. that was the big mistake. And that then this this mistake. this new Lord of the Rings television show, I don't think they listened to audiences at all. They didn't listen to fans. They didn't listen to anybody when it comes to how to make this. It's completely motivated by money. It was the most expensive movie, uh, TV series ever made. Um, and I don't think it came with passion for it. You have first time filmmakers who are trying to make this series that uh, was not successful. You have no name actors who are trying to make it and are not being successful and it's just from a studio that has not had a track record of success within their, their television studio. So I think that's another big thing. And you have the idea that I think that's really the ultimate problem with this is you have the studio telling people like filmmakers to make their projects rather than the filmmakers wanting studios to make the projects that the filmmakers have a passion for. And I think that's the big mistake here. And that's kind of where we got with, um, Marvel you know no one's uh, coming up with an interesting Marvel take so I think you know it's kind of the similar thing with this and it's kind look of look at DC DC
1: ends this weekend I'm gonna I already have tickets for Aquaman so we'll see what happens with that takes no but you yeah. were saying that um you know mentioning the Hobbit I think you and I I think you were the one who told me this That obviously you know we were talking about Guillermo del Toro when he left a project and they went back to Jackson and Jackson came in um I believe I, I hopefully I'm not making this up, that you told me or somebody told me that Jackson might have asked, okay, I'll come, but give me, like, push the release dates, give me time yeah. to create my films and create my things, and they were like, no, this is what you get. You have, you have I don't know how many months to get this movie done and submit it just mm-hmm. because of money and studio pressure, right? I, I think there is a world, I'm not saying that The Hobbits would have reached Lord of the Rings, I still don't think so, but I think there is a world where if Peter Jackson was allowed to push back those movies and get a couple of years of pre-production and start his vision or do his vision for the Hobbit, we would have gotten a different movie. Again, not to say that it would have been to the level of Lord of the Rings, but we would have definitely gotten a better movie than what we got um, Yeah, with those three films.
0: Because like you're you're right, with, with the production on that um when he came back to to direct it he did want to restart pre-production because they didn't have the storyboards. They didn't have the whole thing yeah. plotted out the way that they were supposed to, like with the Lord of the Rings, which they had a run up of five years in order for that before yeah. they came out or four years before it came out. They didn't have that for this. They didn't have any of that going into it. And they were kind of like forced by a deadline. They had deadlines for this rather than, you know, soft openings for success. And, and that became a big problem for them. There, there's a famous behind the scenes shot of, Sorry of Peter Jackson on the set of the battle of the five armies where he's just sitting around trying to come up with. He seems so defeated. (laughs) Well, he's trying to, he's trying to come up with what is going to come out that day. Like, what are we going to shoot today? I don't even know what the script is. So we'll we'll come up with it later. And he's like working 13 hour, 14 hour days, trying to come up with the script of what they're going to shoot that day. Like that's pathetic. And that's why this didn't work. I don't think they worked as well. Um, but going back to doesn't
1: work too either,
0: yeah. It just doesn't.
1: God, do bad. you think, um, um, with that? And I know we're going a little long, but do you think there is a chance that we will ever get a Lord of the Rings project that, again, I don't think will match what we got with the original trilogy, but that could get close to that if there is time and correct preparation for it?
0: I don't really know. Uh, I don't think I don't think no, but uh, I'm I'm sure we could get something that's fun uh, that will be acceptable, I think, is that I think it's not going to be at the level of Lord of the Rings. The, so the it's not
1: going to be season two of the show, which kept filming without any writers during the strike.
0: No, it's not going to be that. I I, I have no <laughs> I have no hopes for this show. I think the show is dead to me. Uh, I will watch it, but it will be dead to me. Um, But I um, I think we can get projects that will be acceptable and exciting um I, I i enjoy some of the video games that have come out i know that they're not like lore correct or whatever but yeah. i do enjoy some of them within that world um but and i we have the animated movie that's coming out the war of the Rohirrim. i forgot that, that coming that's out, coming out yeah i believe next year so I, that could be exciting i don't know what to expect from that at all i'm hoping it's good i have no clue but like we said before expect.
1: also animation kind of gives you more free range to yeah. play around
0: that's the thing they they can play around with it yeah. There's so many stories within this world that I'd love to see, so so many stories that I'd love to see that we're just not going to. And what
1: is the one story that you, Steve, would choose to put on film or television from Lord of the Rings?
0: I mean, I love uh, the Children of Hurin. I love that story. It's a it's a very dark story, which which a lot of people die. A lot of people criticize Tolkien for not killing his characters, you know, like George R. R. Martin does, um, but. Ultimately, they didn't read the Silmarillion because everybody dies in the Silmarillion yeah, and true. everybody's killed by everybody else. I read in that Silmarillion. Yeah. Like I think Turin Turinbar is such a great character, and his journey is so crazy. Uh I I really love it. Uh the things that happen in that are very much just ripped by R.R. Martin. He he steals so many aspects of of it. I mean, there's there's dragons that kill people, there's incest, there's all sorts of stuff that I've happens never read in... Children
1: of Huron. Was that the one that his son christopher finished
0: yeah well his son finished it but um it's it's actually a uh it's a it's a longer chapter in the silmarillion that's been exploded out to a, full, a, full a big, book. full-size book okay yeah. okay because i did Which, read the
1: silmarillion because i know a little bit because i know it comes from the silmarillion yeah. but i've never read children of Huron. um maybe I'll that would
0: it. be for me for me i i love that story um that or baron luthien is just obviously fantastic okay. um but i i that's my favorite one right now because it's, it's a tragic story and i i really yeah. do love that one but ultimately ultimately i think this this the legacy of this is just going to continue these are brilliant brilliant series they they will be brilliant for a very long time i think they're going to age beautifully nothing about it has aged poorly in nope. my mind minus a couple effects here or there but
1: it's minor things. Yeah, yeah it's minor things and again we we can't you, you can be excellent without being perfect right and and that's fine but yeah like i said this is for me i do i really do think this is the best um trilogy of all time just because each movie is perfect uh, or close to perfect um this is mm-hmm. as close again there's no such thing as perfection but i do think this is as close to perfect as you get to filmmaking um and it endures and here we are 20 years later watching Lord of the Rings like every what every 10 or 15 or 20 years we get like re-release here they come go watch them for a weekend it's like it's just fantastic it's just filmmaking to perfection from Jackson
0: yeah and with that I think we could finally end unless you want to just you know roll some credits for the next 30 minutes but uh...
1: (laughs) (laughs) now after this we're going to do the extended versions of this podcast
0: yeah we'll add we'll add in the extra parts that we had to cut for this Yeah. Uh... No, it's been great. Uh, next week, I think we're going to do best of 2023,
1: right? We are. Yep. I have to watch it's some over. more movies. I know you have also, how 10. The hell... you have 10? I have from in the next week, 10, from 12? here to next, I have any, I think, 10 to 13 movies that I need to watch before I make my final lists, at least for the do you movie think any... list. Yeah. Do you
0: think uh, any of them are making your top 10?
1: Um, We'll Essential? see. Maybe. I already Essential? knocked there's, there's potential, I think based on the subject matter, there's potential for like two or three of them to make it in, but we'll see. I thought one that I saw yesterday was going to make it in. It did not. So, you know, you'll never know, but my TV list is done. My top 10 TV shows of the year are done. So that's good.
0: Good for you. Yeah. I don't care about that, but we'll talk about that next week. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: maybe who knows, maybe Aquaman, Aquaman's the one you're eyeing, right? For best, I, I, uh, best I'm state.
1: waiting but I do think that has the potential to be my number one movie of the year. Absolutely. <laughs> Have you seen the trailers? Like Lord of the Rings has nothing on that.
0: yeah clearly uh and on that note i think we're gonna finish it off uh thank you guys so much for listening we'll be back next week and uh happy holidays